Welcome to the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino. We're back at it again. This is my third show of the week. Emil, this is your second show. We're back-to-back days. That's what college football is doing to us, but here we are. I was driving around in my car today listening to your solo show the other night. Like you're fired up. I'm, yeah. like, I, I'm like, if he did this, he must be fired up. Oh, listen, it was just too much news, too much vibrating of the phone, too much stuff going on, too many ideas exploding in my head. I just... Had to get these thoughts off on audio. All right, we've got topics to get to. The main thing we're talking about here today is better job, Notre Dame or Oklahoma. We've got to make that determination here on the show today since both of those marquee jobs are open up in December. December, um, those jobs are open up. So we're going to talk about that today on the show along with other uh, buzzing topics in the world of college football. We will get on the state of college football as it stands today in the show. Before we do all of that, if you're first time joining us uh, on the podcast, go ahead and subscribe, whether that's Apple, Spotify, or Anchor. Feel free to hit that subscribe button. We would highly encourage it so you don't miss any future shows. You can get a nice little notification when we jump on here. That'd be a good thing for you to do because this is a great place to be, especially when events like uh, we've had the last 48 to 72 hours go down. You'd want to hear from the guys. about that. And they're gonna, listen, they want our picks at the end. I mean, you, you were on fire in college last week. We'll get to that later, too. Absolutely. And I have a proclamation to make as it um, comes to our picks. So you guys can stay tuned for that today. Yes, we are going to have our picks at the end of uh, this program. So you're definitely going to want to stay tuned for that. If you want to follow us on social media, for me, it's easy at Gridiron Studs, whether that's TikTok, Instagram, or Twitter at Gridiron Studs. Um, speaking of on fire, I've been on fire on Twitter lately as well. Getting you know what, Amo? I used to catch a lot of heat for my stance on coaches getting fired. You know what? It's starting to die down a little bit. I think, I think, Amo, maybe just a little bit, folks are starting to see the mess that has been made. It's that or they're out shopping. And uh, I, I think with. I think you're someone who likes to stir the pot because you go into these places where you, where you know these places, these people are crazy. I mean, uh, they're know. all savages on Twitter because they don't have to give a damn. They could hide behind a phony profile pic and you know no data that can be collected on them, such as Facebook, where you can find Emil E M I L C A L O M I N O. Check him out. Great sports stuff sp- posted daily. Um, if you're politically inclined, he'll veer in that direction. And if you understand the world of finance every now and then, you'll hit you with an accounting type of a thing, hocus pocus, uh, and you can go jump in on the discussion on that. You're definitely going to be smarter after leaving his page. You might end up <laughs> well, being a smart you, ass. That's very nice of you. He's Where do a, I mail that check? I don't know. He's a smart ass. You might end up being smarter. So that's how that whole <laughs> thing is going to go for you. All right. Now that we've got that out of the way, um, Emil, just a couple of things. I've noticed this on Twitter today, speaking of the savagery. That is Twitter. People are on this whole trend. There's two things trending here for Brian Kelly right now. A is that he's not a fit for Louisiana, Baton Rouge. They've got jokes out there about him ordering a pull boy sandwich. Well, okay, uh, wait, wait, wait. Let me ask questions. I'm not I'm not in that cesspool that you have to live in for what you do for a living. So yes, you got, you got to enlighten me. Okay. Who's saying this? 
Notre Dame fans? Oh, most likely. Uh, or fans oh. fans that are not fans of LSU. How about that? We'll just put it at that. That could be anything. Okay, so that, that automatically means if they're devoting that much energy to it, that they think he might be a fit. Okay. Yeah, he may. Okay. He it's this. No, look, have have no doubt that these are people that think he may come in there and kick ass. So this Correct. could be Georgia fans, Ole Miss fans, Mississippi State fans, Alabama fans who might be feeling a little bit um, vulnerable right now, seeing as though the way the season has gone. But uh, it's let's let's face it. It's probably not LSU fans. Um, so that's who's out there spreading that. Any the other thing is that Brian Kelly is a bad guy. Uh, there's a story out there about Robert Sella, and I want to say, um, is it oh, Jim Nagy? Um, apparently, they were a part of the Notre Dame staff. He had them come over to his house for what they thought was going to be a meeting, and he had them shovel snow for an hour or so. So he's a really, really bad guy. Um, and then, of course, he murdered a kid, is what they're saying, because of the whole windy, um, you know, experience. Well, let me ask this. Were they? I'm assuming they were young. What were they, grad assistants or young coaches at that time? I mean, they're young now, so they would have had to have been even younger. So, yes, probably. So a middle-aged guy made you come over his house to shovel snow. Yeah. I mean, I need more details on this. Were they, like, shirtless? Brian Kelly's wife wanted to see it that way. Who the frick knows? It's all stupid to me. Um, But, again, this is the mania that's college football. He has... Jumped into the realm that is the SEC, where absurd things can happen, and stuff like this is probably going to be the norm, especially if he's successful. You know, Emil, there was a picture of Jim, uh, allegedly, a picture. <laughs> just laugh talking about this. I can't wait to hear. There was allegedly a picture of Jim McElwain when he was head coach of Florida, but naked on top of a starfish that was on the back of a boat. So there was a whole. Well, there was a listen, there was a whole fight for weeks on end as to whether or not that was actually him or, you know, did someone do some Photoshop magic on this picture? Well, like right now, I'm trying to think of, as you're talking, I'm just trying to think of something else because I don't want to think of that. Yeah, well, I had to see it, Amos, so I might as well put that photo in your head. But well, naked on top of let a starfish. Ask, let me ask you a serious question here um, on the Notre Dame front. I get a little bit of the, the vitriol from their fans only because of the timing of this. And, you know, they're in the middle of a really good season. A couple things need to break their way for them to make this playoff, but it could happen. And I think they feel a little bit of that. And I, I kind of get that. But I think if they take a step back, this may end up working out for them. And what I mean by that is, you know, Kelly was there 12 years and, you know, he's, he's done well, but things can get stale. Um, they've got two guys right now, one that they can have immediately, Freeman, right? The defensive yes. coordinator, mm-hmm. hey, 35 years old. Now it's a step up. He's never been a head coach and he's, they're going to hand him the keys to a Porsche. That's always dangerous, but he's also going to be a hot commodity as well. So, so you have a potential to keep him. And if you really hit the home run, I hear that they're obviously, and you've probably heard the same thing, they're going for fickle and they're willing to wait for the playoff or, or at least this weekend to find out what happens. Um, and if they were to get him, he's 48 years old. He seems ripe and ready to do that job and, and, and seems like a good fit to me. 
it may end up working out for them other than this moment in time where they could be with an interim coach for a college football playoff. Yeah, look, the problem for Notre Dame fans is that there's a great unknown here for them. They don't know what's going to happen. What they do know is um, whether they care to admit it or not over the last couple of years, um, they had a really good coach that was winning 10 plus games a year, had them in the mix every year, something that um, Notre Dame had taken a complete vacation from for a good amount of time after Lou Holtz is leaving. And so now they, the the future is cloudy for them. So there's always going to be a certain amount of angst and uh, vitriol, as you described. When a good a- amount of time, a good amount. Reagan was in his second term <laughs> the last time they were relevant until Kelly came along. Seriously, in between that championship <clears throat> and Kelly, when, when he got them to that 2012 title game against Alabama, there wasn't much to brag about in between. I remember the 193 season, they finished second to Florida State. But other than that, you know, Kelly's really resurrected that program in a big way. No question. No question about it. I think I think if I if I'm looking at this and I it should go the right way. If Marcus Freeman is once if he feels like he's ready to be a head coach, I think the best thing that could happen here for all parties is someone like Luke Fickle to come in and be the coach at Notre Dame, because I just don't think it can, it's one of those places where it just probably shouldn't be your first job because Marcus Freeman no, and whoever, no, whoever no, the I coach think, is. I think that's a bad situation, Chad. I know you like him a lot and he seems like a very good coach, but that to me almost seems like when they handed Clay Helton the USC job, it just doesn't sound, sound like it's going to end well. Yeah. And we're going to get into, you know, what kind of job Notre Dame is versus in Oklahoma coming up here in a minute. But if I'm going to fix this whole thing, Fickle to Notre Dame, Freeman to Cincinnati. Nice, tie a nice little bow on that thing. Um, obviously, Freeman came from Cincinnati, familiar with the place, and Cincinnati's a nice place. It has been a stepping stone. It is where Brian Kelly came from before he hit Notre Dame. So it's, you know, maybe the folks at Cincinnati would not like to be referred to in this way, but it is a good stepping stone job, and it's a place where uh, there's been some success, and he can kind of walk into with the with the table kind of set, it does bring a certain oh, amount yeah. of pressure. But. I, I actually think that's that's so convenient and so easy. It probably won't happen because we both know life doesn't work that way. But if it did, it would be perfect. I agree with you, and I think Cincinnati is looking to take that program to the next level as they join the Big Twelve. So, you know, you're you're going to get a guy with Notre Dame experience there. Uh, I I think that would be perfect. Now, does it happen? Who knows? We're going to have to see because, mind you, Brian Kelly is hot on the trail of Marcus Freeman trying to bring him to LSU to be the defensive coordinator there for him. So, you know, we're going to have to see. There's a lot of moving parts in this thing. But word on the street is that Brian Kelly is not a good guy. So maybe he should just quit at LSU and not even try to coach the Tigers. So did you listen to the audio I sent you today? They got audio of his actual somehow, you know, of course, in today's day and age, somebody leaks this stuff his actual team meeting with Notre Dame uh, the other day. I did not. I did not hear the audio. I did hear that it was 11 minutes and the way that it was presented is like 11 minutes is not long enough to speak to your guys. You know what? I think it is. And it's not the length of time. It's the words that are put together. And this is a, it's an uncanny situation. It's a tough situation for all involved, but I thought the uh, Kyle Hamilton who is, you know, the top player on Notre Dame's team, the safety that's likely to be taken in the top 10 or 15 in this year's uh, NFL draft, really painted a good picture. He said, listen, this guy came here. He turned Notre Dame around. He's leaving it in a very good place. 
Um, he's, you know, trying to advance his career. He's seeing a better opportunity. He's, you know, who are we to tell him that, um, you know, he shouldn't pursue what he thinks is best for his family, which includes a hefty salary raise. So, well, um, I listened to it and I thought he did about as good a job as you could do given the situation. Um, hmm. And I thought he did a good job of explaining it, saying, listen, no one did anything wrong. And, you know, what he was kind of saying in a roundabout way as well is because I'm leaving doesn't mean that LSU is better than Notre Dame as a place to be. Basically saying it's an opportunity at this point in my life to do something I want to do. You know, you know, you can read between the lines. He's not going to say I'm making a pile of money, too. But, you know. I think, it, you know, people look at this, fans look at it because we're all fans. We want our guy to be our guy. But sometimes you have to look at it, and especially with college kids, it's a great learning opportunity. I mean, people have opportunities in life. A lot of these guys aren't going to play in the NFL. They're going to go into business or whatever, medicine, whatever they're going to do. And these situations come up. You could leave a place that you love working at. Doesn't mean it's a bad place. It means that you were presented an opportunity. And you want to take that. Some of those guys are going to actually go to the NFL and do the same thing. They'll hit free agency. Um, you know, so they'll, yeah. they'll they'll make decisions similar to this one. So they'll, you know, it's just a life lesson. But he did over a decade there. I've definitely been on the train of coaches trying to stay pat a little bit more than what we have. What we have going on is insane. But he did over a decade there. And so um, he just wants to move on to something else. I don't think we could fault him. These people will calm down. They'll move on with their lives. They'll get a new coach. Hopefully, it's someone that can continue what he's done there, and um, we can get back to some sanity here. Um, they don't like Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma either, Amel. So they would they would like to to see that thing really go bad. Well, he's at a traitor, USC. from what I understand. I've seen the signs there. He's a traitor, and he's really not that good of a coach. Uh, what else would I see? You know, because because he only made the playoff times, he didn't win it. Um, so it's I the kind know. of stuff they say about recruits when they decommit from their school, too. By the way, so should we? We should take all of this with a grain of salt. But um, oh no, yeah. I, I'd be listen. I'm doing it sarcastically. You said I'm a smartass. I, yeah, I think both I, guys are great coaches. I mean, and not because one's coaching my team. If you asked me a week ago and said, "What do you think of Lincoln Riley?" I'd say he's a hell of a coach. Yeah, um, uh, I, I would say the same for both guys, and that's proven. Um, the resume is there. It's anyone can research it. It's on paper. Both of these guys have been very successful at high pressure marquee programs. So, you know, both of these places made a good hire, whether or not that's successful, we'll just have to wait and see, but we'll see there, but let's dig into this. If you're a coach, Amel, let's pretend, let's pretend you're Mario Cristobal and you've got to leave Oregon for some reason. And, you know, you can't, head back to Miami where you you played your college football. And now you've got to choose between Notre Dame and Oklahoma. In your eyes, where's the better landing spot for you as a coach? Can I set up my answer a little bit? Sure. It some- I, I know you're going to be wordy because why else? Can't, well, because it's going to, because it takes some, it takes some explaining. Number one, for the, for our fans, I am not a Notre Dame hater per se. Uh, I hate UCLA. I don't hate Notre Dame. It's a good, healthy rivalry. So I don't want you to think I'm answering this as someone who doesn't like Notre Dame. I like Jeez, that rivalry. Why do you hate UCLA? They haven't done anything to you guys before this year. Yeah, I know. Just it, it's almost not right if I don't. I feel bad. But Notre Dame is like 
it's a good, healthy, respectful rivalry. Um, and my answer would change probably if, if a couple things change, like they joined a conference. But without them being in a conference, I would say the Oklahoma job is better. Even though that conference that Oklahoma is now in is the SEC, where there is Alabama, where there is Ole Miss, where there is Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Arkansas, all of the and you know all of these pitfalls that are there for you. Can I didn't even I say, say something about that though. Can I say something? We're we're talking about and I listen. I agree with you. I'm not trying to give you a hard time here because you and I have had this discussion privately. I agree with the general premise. But I think we're all talking about Oklahoma, okay, as if they're going to the SEC and they're Mississippi State. I mean, this is Oklahoma. They're one of the five winningest programs in the history of college football. I mean, I get it. The SEC is a really good league, okay? And, you know, put them in the East or the West. And other than them really worrying about Georgia or Alabama, which right now are on top of the sport, you know, Oklahoma doesn't have to be scared of playing Texas A&M. Oklahoma doesn't have to be scared of playing LSU. Okay. So. Um, it's it's And it's not even that. I think it's just every week what you're dealing with. Well, listen, I'm not arguing. I think the SEC, you know, I've had this debate this week with people here. Uh, someone trying to tell me, you know, the uh, this is a sports writer, by the way, trying to tell me the Big Ten, uh, you know, was a deeper, better conference. And I said, listen. I said, you you got a computer, you got a search engine, go in there and do some research and let me know how many NFL players are on rosters from the SEC and from the Big Ten. And that's not a shot at the Big Ten. It's a really good conference. It's not even close. So Mm -hmm. I already know where the talent is because I can I watch games on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I get what you're saying. And and I understand talent wise. Yes. But that just because a team is talented doesn't mean they play football well together as a team. I give you Auburn, okay? They There might be a, a decent amount of NFL players on Auburn. There are six and six team that lost to Penn State. Okay, um, I understand it. They are a six and six team that lost to Penn State. They're also a six and six team that took Alabama to overtime. Understood. And again, I get your point. Yeah, every week you're – you're, you're probably going to be playing a, a higher class of athletes most seasons in the conference. All I'm trying to say to you is Oklahoma need not take a backseat to anyone in terms of, you know, if, the, if they show up and, and they play. I mean, I, we, we talked about in yesterday's show, I mentioned some of that stuff where they're talking about Riley. His scores against SEC teams in the college football playoff, aside from the LSU game, which that was an all-time great offense, okay? I mean, he lost in overtime to Georgia, and the Alabama game was 45-34. I mean, that's better than most teams do in the college football playoff against Alabama over the last decade. Um, yeah, un- understandable. I'm I'm still on a debate. And by the way, I do want to clear this up. It was Robert Sella and and Packers coach Matt LaFleur, not Jim Nagy, the coach of the Bears. So. Oh, okay. uh, just went, so those just, two guys were sh- shoveling snow shirtless. Is that the rumor? No, I didn't. Uh, the shirtless thing's a joke. Don't <laughs> anyone run with that. Um, <laughs> I don't need anyone who is a, you know, Brian Kelly wife lover to be coming after me. He has, you know, he's he's perfectly fine putting his own foot in his mouth, which, you know, I met Brian Kelly in person, too, by the way. He recruited um, he recruited my older son, sat in the office with him. I could see where people may. Uh, look at him as 
may not like his personality and personality unless you get to know him. He's it's a kind of a rigid, matter of fact way of speaking. Which you know what he strikes me as because I because you know having been in business my whole life, I've come across a bit like you know like anybody if you're you know go through enough levels and companies and doing things different kinds of people. He strikes me as a CFO type. Um, yeah, most likely. And, and, you know, they're going to be demanding. They're going to be demanding too as well. So, yeah, very demanding, very matter of factly, very much by the book. Uh, I am, uh, getting back to the Notre Dame versus Oklahoma job. This is a good question to me because it's not a, it's not a slam dunk. I'm almost, um, I think I'm in the I'm I think I'm in the room of it of Notre Dame being a better job right now. Well, if you're talking right now, perhaps, but I just think once Oklahoma gets situated in the SEC and figures their way around, that may take a while. Like when you get a new job, it takes you a week to find. You don't feel Amo like Notre Dame has benefited at least up until this year for by not being in a conference? No. Most years, I don't. If you look last year, they made the playoff. And if you remember, they played in the ACC last year because of the pandemic. I, I mean, I think I think that really benefited them. And they're greedy. They Notre Dame does not need money. That whole thing with the NBC, they just won't give it up. They don't want to share. Uh, you know, I'd love to. I could look it up. I'm not going to do it right now. I think it gives them a bit of a makes them a bit of a novelty. We are Notre Dame, so we're not like everyone else. We have our own network. It, it, I agree, and if that's okay, I mean, the Texas Longhorns have their own network, but you know, they're just copying the the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. That's what that's all they're doing. That's what they they did, right? And, and, And but here's the thing: they both think a lot of themselves, and I get Notre Dame. I you know, huge fan base. I get it. Um, I'm saying, you know, most years, when you, unless you can run the table and go 12 and oh, and then, then you're in the clubhouse and you don't have to play this weekend, but that's not happening a lot anymore. I mean, teams are going to lose. We see it more and more. You need that game. I mean, if like this year, if they were playing this weekend, okay, now think about this. If they were playing in the ACC, let's assume they played Pitt. Pitt had a good, nice year, 10 and two, um, were the opponent top. Uh, what are they, 17th, 16th? Notre Dame goes out and drills them. 41-17. No, nah, well, like, come on. No, you're talking about drilling them. I and, mean, you know, listen, how many of these teams are going to, you know, drill somebody? Okay, they beat them 30-20. to 20. You think that would catapult them over I the others? Really help, Chad, I really do. Now, listen, Georgia and Michigan, if, if Georgia and Michigan win, they're in, okay? Sure. And, and Notre Dame can't undo the loss to Cincinnati. Right. That's their biggest problem. That's their big problem. But where it gets interesting is when you get to that four hole, Alabama, let's say they lose. Now, if Alabama wins, all we're talking about doesn't matter. So even cut, don't even bring that into the discussion. Yeah. But let's say Alabama loses. Now, Notre Dame's got that 12th win. Everybody saw them do it against against the guy that's going to be a first round pick, in my example. Alabama gets the second loss. You got a strong case that, hey, you know what? They're 12 and 1. They lost to a team that's already in the playoff. Why not? Why why should Georgia have to play a two loss Alabama again? I mean, that's not fair. Wouldn't Oklahoma State be in the way? No, I don't think so. I, I think because they're Notre Dame, right, wrong, or indifferent, I, I think the committee would justify it with the 12th win. If they had the same record, I don't care what these guys tell me. 
they know the, the drawing power of Notre Dame. So in your mind, being in a conference that you absolutely are not, I don't see Oklahoma winning consecutive West titles anytime soon. No. Uh, let alone the whole shebang. Wait, can you help soon. me? Is Oklahoma in the – aren't they putting Oklahoma in the East? I, I don't know how they split that whole thing up. I would think they're going to put Texas with Texas A&M only because they want that game played every year. Um, that doesn't stop anything from happening. I mean, Florida plays LSU. Every yeah, year. You, that's that true. Out. You could cross schedule. That's true. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. And in terms of trying to geographically do this thing, there couldn't be a worse situation than well, who's further matter. east, Norman Austin or Austin. Norman are, they're three hours apart. I mean, they're yeah. right next to you. That's so. right. You could, you know, draw a line north-south through both of those damn places. So it doesn't really help. Um, they can't go and throw both of them in one side. So e- listen, even if you go to the east side, you got the bully that's Georgia sitting there. So you're saying being in a conference that I'm going to say, Amol, at best, you could win one out of four years is better than not being in a conference at all, where if you're Notre Dame, you you kind of get the benefit of the doubt on some stuff. What you well, y- yes, because here's the thing. Winning the SEC is a big prize. So, so what? You do one out of every four years. What does Notre I'm Dame? I'm saying right best now? case scenario. Okay, <laughs> but what does Notre Dame do right now? If they don't get in the playoff and win it, they they, they they don't hang banners. Yeah, we had a good year. That's great. So did BYU. They're another independent. That's nice. No, I mean, well, I'll have to ask coaches and players how they really feel about a conference championship banner anymore. I just feel like this playoff thing is has taken over. Oh, as I don't know. Come on, man. Everybody wants to beat the teams because that, that's what I like about the conference for being in it. You you develop these rivalries. Winning it means something to you. I mean, everybody likes to beat the guy they play all the time. Everyone I mean, just, everyone is Notre Dame's rival. They're hated. I Again, I'm, I'm not saying it's a slam dunk. I'm not trying to say that I couldn't be. I just wish they'd get into it. I think they'd be so much better off. The other thing with a conference is as much as the other team gains familiarity with you, you gain familiarity with them. You could develop your roster uh, to to fit a, a, a big a big chunk of your opponents every year. What happens if Notre Dame had hit a year this year? Right now, this year happened to work out. What if USD, Florida State, Wisconsin were all playing to their normal levels, like like you know historically normal, you know, mm. and, and some of that schedule. That schedule worked out really nice this year for them. Now, next year, I told you this, they have a road game at Ohio State and they have Clemson on the schedule. I just don't, I just think you could be in a conference and you, you get your scheduling. Some of your cupcake games you don't have to apologize for because, hey, we got to play our conference schedule. Alabama doesn't have to apologize for playing Mississippi State. So, Notre Dame, so you're telling me if Notre Dame's in the Big Ten, this is an easy question. If Notre Dame was in the Big Ten, then I'd want the Notre Dame job. Because I'm a guy that likes the Yankees. You know, I like the the teams like, you know, not that I'm a Yankee fan. I like the Yankees. I, I'm a Cowboys fan. I mm. think the Lakers are good. I think sports are better when those teams are good. Mm. Okay. Um, well, what do you folks out there think listening to this? Uh, if you're on the Anchor app, go ahead and leave us a voice message. And um, we'll certainly love to hear what you guys think. Listeners, if you love getting cash back like I do, then you've got to get the Get Upside app right now. 
Get cash back on your everyday purchases without changing anything about how you shop or live. You'll pay however you normally do with a credit card or debit card, and cash back will be deposited directly to your GetUpside account. There's no limit on how much you can earn. GetUpside even works with other coupons, discounts, and loyalty programs. First, you claim your offer. Find local offers on everything from gasoline to restaurants and everything in between. Second, you spend. You shop as you would at your favorite spots around town. Third, check in or scan receipts. Check in to log your purchase and you'll be on your way. Finally, get rewards. Earn cash back and cash out whenever you want via PayPal, e-gift card, or check. It's just that simple. I love coffee and I get mine for free just by earning cash back from GetUpside. Download the app and get started getting your cash back today. Click on the link in the description of this episode to get started. You're having me de- defend myself. You, you, you like Notre Dame. Tell me why. I mean, I just want to understand. Uh, I'm, I'm I think you, you have a chance to make your own schedule. Um, yeah. Granted, in a year like this, it might bite you in the rear end, but that's this year. Um, same way I said in the SEC, best case scenario for an Oklahoma is you win best case scenario. Is you win or you play in that championship game one out of four years, unless you run into a really Saban-esque type coach that goes on a really, really nice run. But no one's no one's won that conference, I think, four years in a row. I don't think anyone's done that. And, you know, we've got the best coach of all time in that conference. So you get a chance to make your own schedule. You get the benefit of the doubt because you are Notre Dame. You're the Golden Helmets. Win one for the Gipper, Newt Rockney, all that rah, rah, rah stuff. Um, so you do, you probably get the benefit of the doubt better than anyone else. Your biggest problem is the academic restrictions, which I probably feel like is what drove Brian Kelly out of town. But that's almost the same as what you have to do recruiting wise in at Oklahoma now that you're in the SEC. It's a 24-7 grind, like Christmas Can I Day. put something out there on those academic restrictions? And I just want to hear what you have to say, because I've been told. By someone that has, you know, decent knowledge, not somebody I consider some meatball, mm. that a lot of that at this point is overblown. It's they still have, you know, great academics, but that has been somewhat, somewhat loosened up when since Kelly's been there. And their point was, you know, you don't think a bunch of NASA road scholars are running around on that whole team going eleven and one, eleven and one, twelve and one. I would imagine, and it's not, you know, it's not the academic standards versus the normal students, the academic standards versus the immediate teams that you're competing for kids, you know, yeah. Ohio state, Michigan, um, you know, maybe even Penn state. And if you try to go into Texas, you know, who knows what you're up against there. So I, I think that's, I think that's the case, but um, that's just how I feel about this Notre Dame thing. But it, listen, Emil, it's deadly close for me because the challenge you face in recruiting for Notre Dame, there's also a challenge in recruiting for Oklahoma now. Uh, like I said, heading into the SEC, you're up against LSU. You're up against Texas and Texas A&M. You're going up against Well, that, um, that's Alabama. why Riley left. It wasn't about I, – I truly don't believe, like fans do, I don't think a guy like Lincoln Riley was scared to coach in the SEC. I think the problem, he looked around and said, I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. So generally, I can steal some kids from California, but if USC gets a good coach other than me, and he can lock down Southern California, my pipeline begins to dry up a little bit. So now I'm left. I got to recruit North and East Texas generally, where there's a ton of talent. But as I go to the SEC, I'm competing for those kids even more so now with 
Texas, Texas A&M, Alabama, LSU, Arkansas. They're all coming to that part of Texas, Georgia. And I think, you know, that's that's the challenge to me for Oklahoma. I, I think it's more about, you know, and you and I had this discussion privately the other day. We were just reminiscing on, on the history of football. I said, if you really look at the Texas-Oklahoma rivalry, generally speaking, Texas has had more NFL players over the years. But Oklahoma's yes. done very well against them. It's just yeah. Oklahoma, you know. Oklahoma's always been a really good program, but they haven't always gotten the top five and, and seven classes. They've gotten 14s, 13s, and there's nothing wrong with that. Most teams would kill for it. But I think that's that's kind of the challenge they face in the SEC. Well, we we tidied up the Notre Dame coaching situation. Uh, I said fickle to Notre Dame, and if Freeman wants to be a head coach, go to Cincinnati. Who's next in Oklahoma? They, is it, they, I think they got hit more here than Notre Dame. Like, that's where I might, I could be persuaded on Notre Dame being the better job is that Oklahoma, if they don't get this right, I think Notre Dame's set up to get this right. So I think it's actually going to work out well for them. Oklahoma could end up in the wilderness if the coaching hire isn't right. Because the reason they felt comfortable going to the SEC is because they had a young dynamic coach that they felt could handle it right now they're they're out there looking for the next the next guy and i don't think there's anyone evident to them now you got people that obviously go to the the connection to the school and they say hypel what about hypel he was the quarterback on the national championship team i I don't know is he the guy is he ready yet yeah i don't think so but their options might be pressure listen we cannot after what has happened this week, we cannot discount um, a school like that being able to play a pretty harsh game of poker and have and, and had someone sitting there all along um, like USC and LSU did. Mm-hmm. Um, Oklahoma, I mean, I, Oklahoma did get I mean, I mean, there were some LSU rumors out there about um, Lincoln Riley that would at the very least, if you've got any kind of a brain in Oklahoma, say, listen, you might want to start thinking about some candidates just in case. We lose our guy here, which they ended up doing. Well, I'm looking around the SEC, right? So, the, you know, you look and you say, okay, a guy that could usually be bought off. <laughs> That's not very nice. Mm. Like a Jimbo Fisher. Well, you're not going to out- outbid A&M. There's more money. at oh, The only school with more money than A&M is Texas. They, 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 they burn money at those places, okay? Amo, so, would, you, would, you, would you like a Lane Kiffin at Oklahoma? I was just going to say that. That was my next. That was my next. I said. I was thinking to myself, and I said, "You know what? Maybe Lane Change is ready for is ready for the big time." And no offense to people who are Mississippi fans, mm. he's done a great job. But I mean, the big, big time. You think he's ready? I mean, he was once a coach of a blue blood. He was too young for that. Maybe it's his time to try again. You know my thoughts there, and I don't. You know, maybe they're, maybe these aren't. You know, unfair. I just think Lane is an entertainer. I don't know if he's a guy that's going to win championships. I think he's going to bring a great offense. It's going to be innovative. Mm-hmm. You're going to score. You're going to. Um, it's going to be. You're going to be entertained. But you're. Ne- I just don't think you're going to get over the hump. And if you do, it would be like maybe one magical year and then some suffering. Because see, I, I tend to agree with you. And here's my take on him. And I don't know if I'm drawing a good parallel here, but I'm going to give it a shot. College football has changed so much 
I think he's trying to be like a Steve Spurrier, but Steve mm. Spurrier did that 25 years ago at Florida, mm. and the landscape of college football was significantly different. And and Steve Spurrier could run his mouth on, but he could also he had the talent to cash the checks. Sure. The problem with Kiffin, he says these things, and and when you don't have a team that can just go out there and back it up. He gives people a lot of bolt or material, and I'm not sure that's a good thing. Yeah, um, and and all for the sake of of entertainment. So Oklahoma fans will be entertained. But, you know, I it, there was no guarantee that you were going to be in the mix if Lincoln Riley was there. Lincoln Riley knew this. So um, maybe if you have a Lane Kiffin and he's entertaining, it's enough to make you be okay in a year where you went eight and four. You scored points. Um, you have a quarterback that might be up for Heisman consideration because Lane's going to have him doing numbers. Um, and you're just going to have an exciting brand of football. Probably won't be good defensively because he runs the hurry up stuff. And like I said, maybe one one of these years you jump up and do something magical. Yeah, I th- I think people are, are, you know, again, and I could be proven wrong. At first, I have to know who the coach is before I make this statement. But with the, with a good coach, I think people are selling Oklahoma short. I think Texas is going to struggle mightily in the SEC because I just think Texas's program since Mac Brown left, um, you know, when Mac left, he had that thing going, and another guy where essentially I think they kind of ran him out of there, if I'm remembering it correctly. Mm-hmm. They weren't happy. They pushed and him out the door. They pushed him out the door. You know, Mac was a really good coach for them. He had it going well, and since then they've been out in the woods, and they don't seem very close to finding the highway okay <laughs> because i think they're going to struggle but i think oklahoma is going to be just fine in the sec i'm not saying they're going to go dominate or anything like that i just think they'll be a really really good team um it was the right coach i, I have to know the coach. i'm gonna have to check on this but i don't know if you free signed an extension at liberty um uh, that's probably a name i've heard him mention um didn't he get in a lot of trouble though? i mean he freeze did what he had to do at a place like old miss I mean, he did what he had to do. Then again, Oklahoma's never shied away from that. We're old enough to ex- Yes, exactly. They were one of the forefathers of such a thing. Yeah. So we'll have to see. One last thing before we head into our pick segment here. Emil, if you were, and I know you're a follower and you're fond of the program, if you were the powers to be at the University of Miami, would you or would you not keep Manny Diaz? 99.9% yes, unless I could get Mario. Mm. That that's seems to me, to, you know, that's to me. If I can't get him, there's no, I don't see anything Diaz has done as I watch them play games that warrants being fired. I think the, the fan base is crazy. I think the talent's good there. They need to get a little bit better. I saw some improvement at the end of the year. They won games. I liked what the quarterback did. I think he's got to point it in the right direction, to be honest with you. Yeah, maybe not as fast as some fans would like. They want it to be 2001 again really fast. But I saw that same thing. I am, I am, I must admit, frustrated with what I see defensively. But I'm all for giving a guy time to fix that. So let um, me ask you this. Look at their season, okay? Well, throw away the Alabama game because Alabama kills a lot of teams. And Michigan State got them early. And Michigan State was a really good team, okay? I know you could say, well, what I'm going to say, you could say the in the other direction, but there are a few plays from being 10 and 2. Now, someone else will say, yeah, but they won some close games. There are a few plays from being 4 and 8. But my point is, 
not so much that they're a 10 and two team or a four and eight team. They were in there to win every game. They were right there other than two games. So it wasn't like they did what my team did, my, my main team, USC, who really crapped the bed once they fired health. And they just basically said out of hell with this year. <laughs> well, they actually did fire the coach. Um, you know, I understand. But what I'm trying to say is, as a Miami fan, you, if you're being honest, you had to see the improvement as the year went along. I mean, there was, like I said, there was two games they really weren't in, and you, you can't fault them, Alabama. And again, Michigan State was a really good team. Even a Michigan State, Amel, um, was back and forth, and then it just the just the it wheels fell, fell apart. Off. Yeah, right, right. But the other ten games, they were right there to win. I mean, so. They got three losses by a field goal or less, and they're a seven and five team. I don't think that warrants firing the coach. Yeah, and mind you, they did all of this without the quarterback that they came into this season with. You know, so which may have been a blessing, by the way. Maybe, maybe not. You know what I mean? Um, I thought Derek King was really, really good last year, and if he had come (laughs) into this year, uh, if he would have been able to stay healthy this year, um, I think they would have seen some really, really good results. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he gets them to a win in a couple of those games that they lost. Maybe sure. he loses the game that they won. I don't know. I, I think do, the I do think been. that Van Dyke is the other kid's name, right? Yes, Tyler Van Dyke. I think, I think he came along really nicely, though, as he played for. Oh, most, most definitely. The future is bright if that kid is going to stay there. Now, the offensive coordinator, Rhett Lashley, has now gone on to be the head coach at SMU, and there's some concern that the kid might go and follow him over there. I don't think so. I think he likes being in Miami. It just seems to, seems to fit him. Right now, I, I mean, think I, their biggest challenge at Miami is what you've mentioned and talked about as an alumni um, is their administration. I think it, I think with the right administration, it's a great job. It's a beautiful campus. Anybody who hasn't been uh, to Miami and seen their campus, I mean, it's a, it, it should be an easy place to recruit to. It's a great campus, um, great city, uh, great school. Yeah, you know, but, if I, but I, I would agree with you. And I'm wondering, Emil, if the administration is looking at what's going on right now and saying, you know what, we we don't, this is not what we want to do here. We don't want to be a part of that. We're not trying to give coach $100 million to coach here. We're not, we're not going to get into this arms race. It's almost the kind of attitude that was taken back when all of the facilities started getting major upgrades, marble floor and all the other toys yeah. and bells. And it's like, listen, we're not going to get involved in all that. At the end of the day, we are an academic institution. And we just want to keep things in. in and I think that's focus. a bit of delusion because let's be honest, you know, anybody can look this up online. You could pull up the, you know, for what it's worth. I don't even know how they do these things. But, you know, the U.S. News and World Report does the rankings. USC is an academic institution. So is Notre Dame. They're both in the top 25. So is Michigan. So is North Carolina. They're all top 25 U.S. News and World Report schools. So is UCLA. So my point is you can be both. I think think it's a convenient excuse for their administration they don't want to spend the money for whatever reason i know one thing i go to miami every year there's a lot of money in miami i'm i'm not worried about not having the money okay yeah listen no no question and um i i have this motto excellence in all things so you know don't you know don't stand on any one area you know the history of the school i mean before miami found their themselves in football in the late 70s with Jim Kelly and then into the early 80s when they really got a footing. It was a nice private school in a in a, in a vacation town in, in, in you know Florida where you went for a good education and you got a good suntan and probably went to some good parties. Football kind of made Miami 
what it is, the national school it is. So they're doing that in, that in, that in Miami Vice. So I don't yes. know. We'll, we'll see where all that goes. We're getting super late in the game right now for anything to be done at a head coaching position at any school, let alone a Miami, which we're still right now trying to find an athletic director. So I, you know, listen, right. Manny Diaz will be back for 2022. Cry about it. If you're a fan out there that wanted to see him gone. All right. We got to get into our pick segment. As you mentioned, um, I was on fire in college football, NFL, not so much, but you're the guy with the numbers here. So let's do the accounting. Let's do you first. Chad had a three and O day in college football. So I'll tell you, you had Michigan, Oklahoma state and Michigan state, all underdogs, all winners, Oklahoma got it by hook. That's all you need to cash the ticket. So you were three and O in the pros. You went one and two, no need to recount those picks. Uh, College, you've gotten above the Mendoza line for the there season. There you go. And, was, and he's college. Chad's great at college. I don't know. Now he's finally back where he's been hot, really, since since the fourth week. I just he's came into this year rusty, man. Hadn't been doing picks for a while. So. You were rusty, but you you know you you've really been on fire. Uh, you've hit eleven, uh, you know, eleven out of like sixteen. So now you're seventeen and sixteen overall in college. In the pros, you're still struggling, thirteen and nineteen, which puts you at thirty and thirty six on the season. Me. I stunk equally on both sides of the ledger. <laughs> I was one and two in college. Okay. That puts my college mark at 15 and 18. I got, I got some work to do here with the bulls and this weekend. And then in the pros where I've been great this year, I was one and two. So that puts me at 21 and 12 in the pros, which is still pretty good. Yeah. And a overall, rare, a rare losing day for you. Yeah. Overall, I'm at 30. 36 and 30. So you, we've got some work to do here. How about I'll hit college first and then we could do a snake. You can hit college in the pros, and I'll end the show and hit the pros. Sounds good. Okay. Starting in college. You know what? I know Chad's going to be shaking his head on the other side of this because he loves teams in a rematch. Yeah. But I'm, go- I'm going to the Pac-12 title game, which is on Friday night for some godforsaken reason. Once again, get your act together, Pac-12. But they're playing on Friday night, and Utah's given two-, two and a half points to Oregon. They beat them badly a few weeks ago, and you know what? I see nothing changing here. Yes, I think Oregon will make adjustments, but I think the one adjustment they can't make, Utah's the hotter, more physical football team. And, uh, you know, I don't know if they can trick their way to a win here. I think Utah's just going to beat them up again, and I'll gladly lay two and a half in that game. All righty. Now, I'm going to another rematch, but in this one, I'm going to use the Chad theory. and not, It's not just based on the rematch. I just think this team is playing really well right now. I think Oklahoma State's going down. I'm going to take Baylor plus five and a half. I really like what Baylor's done. Uh, They played earlier this year. I think it was a seven or 10 point game. I'd have to go look it up. But I like the coaching at Baylor. And I just think Oklahoma State may get ahead of themselves. And what I mean by that is you could have a team playing in a conference title game with an eye on things going on around them. And, and losing focus because they want to be in that playoff. And I just think Baylor's going to go in there, take care of business. They play great defense. Maybe Oklahoma State wins the game, but I don't think they blow Baylor out. I'll take five and a half. All right. And then I have another game where I think a team will not be focused. They may win the game, but I think this is a big number for them to cover. I like Houston plus ten and a half. Hmm. Houston's a very good football team, and that's gotten lost here. They're 11-1, 8-0 in their conference. They're playing Cincinnati. 
Cincinnati obviously has a few things going on this week. They're wondering, is their coach going to go coach Notre Dame? They're wondering if they win, are they going to get in the playoff? And as they're doing all that, they got an 11-1 football team across from them that they have to beat by double digits. That's a big ask to me. I'll take Houston plus the 10 and a half. Okay. Um, at the end of this, you know, since, it, you know, and everyone's going to be interested in the games this weekend since the championship games, um, we could throw out our, our opinions on the, on the other championship games that we have not picked. Um, okay. Uh, yes, you have me pegged right. Um, about the about the Pac-12 championship game, but I stayed away from it um, and and didn't and didn't mess with that one. I'm with you though on Baylor. Uh, Baylor is playing has been a good football team all year long. You know they do have the two losses. One of them was to Oklahoma State earlier this year, in which Oklahoma State rushed for 231 yards in the game. Now. When you have such a dominant performance on the ground like that, you probably should really, really blow the team out. But as it stands, it was only a 24-14 win in that game, which was in Stillwater. Now we're on a neutral site. Um, This game was quite some time ago. I feel like Baylor's a better team now. They believe more. And I just don't see Oklahoma State being able to rush for 231 yards again. And when they can't, what's the margin going to be? I think the margin might find them on the other side, upside down in this game. I'm with you. Big emotional win last week against Oklahoma. You're thinking about the potential of you getting into the college football playoff, a place you have not been whatsoever. Plenty to distract you there, and you're going up against a really good football team that I think is going to have a pretty solid game plan facing you again. We've talked about the excellence that is Dave Aranda as a as a defensive coordinator. I don't see you being able to do that to him twice in the same season. If you are, you know, my hat definitely goes off to a Mike Gundy. I don't think it's going to happen. I like Baylor to win this thing straight up. So I love them getting to five and a half. Okay. Understanding where I have been strong this year, that has been in the Big Ten. So I'm going to stay there. Um, Very difficult for me to lay big number, uh, whether that's in the NFL or college football. But I'm going to stick with Michigan here. I think the prevailing wisdom out there is going to be that Michigan finally climbed that mountain and knocked off Ohio State after all those years of agony, and they're just going to be too drunk with success to come into this game against Iowa and get the job done. I think this team's on a mission. Uh, I've been watching them all year long. They were good early. They had the little hiccup against Michigan State, but uh This is a very strong football team, and I think people should believe what they saw last week. I'm going to mention it again. They were dominating Michigan State, and they just fell asleep for a half. This is a really, really good football team that can rush the passer. That's very physical. It is the football that Jim Harbaugh likes. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball with efficiency. They're just a better team than Iowa. This will be nip and tuck early, but Iowa is just going to not have the horses at the end. So I like Michigan to... Cover what the are they 11, 11, 11 yeah. points. In and, you know, since we're giving opinions, I'll just say I, I like Michigan as well in this game. So, you know, I mean, I, the two things that stick out to me with Iowa, I saw them play Penn State, a game they won 23-20. Uh, Penn State lost their quarterback up 17-3. And frankly, we'll never know, but I'm pretty sure Iowa would have struggled to win that game if he stayed in. And then the following two weeks, they lost to Purdue and Wisconsin 24-7 and 27-7. And where I'm going with this is, this is a team that could be shut down in a game like this. I don't trust the Iowa offense at all. No, and they've just really feasted on turnovers. 
this year. I'm not sure they're going to be able to do that in, nope. in this game. So we'll see. Um, Pittsburgh in their uh, in their ACC championship game. We're just not used to seeing Pittsburgh in situations like this. But you know what? They've been a strong ball club all year, Emil. Um, I like them in this game uh, the, against a Wake Forest team that just refuses, absolutely refuses to play any type of defense, Emil. We're talking about a Wake Forest team that gives up 207 yards rushing a game. That is not the thing of champions. Um, it's just not how you play defense. Now, I know they're great offensively. Um, they they put the points up. They, they dole out a bunch of yards. I think they will put up almost 500 yards a game. You know what? Pitt does that as well. And I really trust the quarterback at Pittsburgh, who's loosely being talked about being a Heisman Trophy candidate. That combined with the uh, defense that Pittsburgh plays, which is better than Wake Forest. It's not lights out, but it's better than what Wake Forest is walking around with. And they're only being asked to cover three here. I just really think Pitt is the better team overall in this. Wake Forest has had a nice run. But the way that they are in shootouts every week, I, th- I just think their luck is going to run out. They gave up 48 points to Clemson, who has struggled mightily all year all year long to score. So they had a three-game stretch, Emil, where they gave up 48 to Clemson, 42 to NC State, 58 to North Carolina. And that's after giving right. up 56 to Army. I just don't think this team is, is uh, going to win This was one I threw out. It would have been my, my next pick, but I do like Pitt as well. The thing that sticks out to me is I went down and looked at Wake Forest schedule okay when they ran up the record eight no old dominion norfolk state florida state virginia louisville syracuse army duke yes that's the titans of college football no <laughs> then it got a little bit tougher north carolina while north carolina wasn't great they have a really good quarterback they have talent they hung 58 on wake forest the next week wake forest escaped against a good nc state team but they gave up 42 points in a three-point win and then clemson hung 48 on them so i think Pitt's going to be able to put up seriously. I know it sounds funny. I won't be surprised if Pitt scores 50 points. Yeah. Um, also giving opinions, you you like Utah in this game, but Emil, they blew out Oregon and it's two and a half. I just feel like the odds makers are daring us to take Utah for some reason. Uh, I felt that way for a second. And I remembered something. Oregon is a brand in the Pac-12. I mean, you know, I know we talk about brand and we say the Pac-12 big brand is USC, but right now, Oregon is 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 another brand there. They're the, they're right there with them, and I think because of that brand, the line didn't scare me as much. Um, hmm. I, I don't think Utah has a lot of public backing. Let's face it; unless you're a Pac-12 fan like myself, there's not a lot of people on the East Coast watching Utah games. Yeah, um, you might be right about that. It, it was enough what you're saying to scare me off of the game. And then the SEC. Listen, I just stayed away from the game because I've been horrible in the SEC this year. Let's just be honest. Um, I would have leaned towards Alabama, but I'm not very sure about it. I mean, Georgia might just go in there and knock these guys' heads off. Uh, you know, on paper they should, but they may they may be seeing the ghost of Alabama pass when they line up on the field, and they could they could you know soil their pants a little bit early on. Well, this is the year. I mean, if they're not going to do it this year, I don't know when. Um, and to me, I think. This is a game where either Georgia wins handily or they're going to lose. I think if this game is tight, Georgia will lose it, but I don't think it's going to be tight. I have a feeling Georgia gets it done something like 30 to 13. That's what I'm feeling. I really am. Yeah, if they if the game is close, then definitely all the pressure is on Georgia, given the kind of season that they've had. So uh, I'm with you on that. You saw what Auburn did. I mean, Auburn literally, what they let Alabama go, 98 yards in 50 seconds? 
Yeah. Um, they saw the ghost of Alabama pass. So, um, you yep. know, I'm with you on that. All right. Moving over to the NFL. I'll take, uh, I'll take the reins here. Um, I'm going to go with the Bengals, um, as small, you know, favorites against the chargers at home. Not sure why the chargers are getting this kind of respect given how they've played lately. What I do know is Cincinnati's been on point the last couple of weeks. Now that, um, you know, Joe Burrow's got things going over there. I think Cincinnati's ready to try and make a really nice run. 41 to 10 last week over Pittsburgh. They were in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago and blew them out 32 13. They just look to be hitting on all cylinders right now, whereas the Chargers um, are going a little bit in the opposite direction. They have alternated wins and losses over the last five weeks. They're not playing very good on defense. Gave up 28 to Denver last week, 37 the week before that, and a win and 27 to Minnesota. They just they just don't have things together on you know on that side of the ball, which is not what you expected given the, the head coaching hire. But he's not the coordinator; he's the head coach. Listen, I I don't disagree with anything you've said. The only thing that always scares me is every once in a while they just can't get it out of their system, and they remember they're the Bengals. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Speaking of remembering who they are. I'm going to actually take a tall drink here, Emil, <laughs> and Go ahead. and grab the team that you told me to uh, tell you to never pick again. So you don't pick them anymore. I'm going to pick them up this week. That's the Detroit Lions back home looking for that ever-elusive first win against uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Wait, I'm in love with the Lions. They were my lone winner last week on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, for all that crap you said about those guys, they gave you your only dub. <laughs> Uh, last last weekend. So I'm going to go ahead and back them too. I'm going to jump on to Detroit. Listen, you know what? They're 0-11 and 1. Is that where they are? 0-10 and 1 or whatever the hell. Yeah, you already got the next loss. <laughs> <laughs> they, have, they have a goose egg in the win column. But by golly, this team plays hard and they're going to make you earn that damn victory. Minnesota's coming to town, um, you know, fresh off of the disappointment in San Francisco, which was to be expected after beating Green Bay, but I don't know. Is Minnesota a seven-point favorite? I don't even like that against the likes of Detroit, who, again, plays really, really hard. Minnesota's a sub-500 football team. They're going into this game without Dalvin Cook. They do have a capable backup, but you know, not being able to share that load could be a bit of a problem. And I don't trust Kirk Cousins enough to make him a seven-point favorite on the road. I'm going to yeah, take all I, I those. Hear you. I, think you're, I think you're kind of reading the tea leaves here and just feeling I, – I get the sense you're feeling a situational play, which, you know, I get it. Absolutely. Uh, and now I'm going to head on over to the AFC. We all saw the Broncos handle your Cowboys a few weeks ago. Uh, I'll admit, I thought maybe it might be a little bit on the fluky side. But, you know – the Broncos have worked themselves into three wins over the last four weeks. They've taken themselves above 500. Now they're in the cluster. You know what? That is the AFC second place. And they're taking on the first place team, which is getting love. They're playing better. But mm, when you're making them a 10 point favorite against this divisional foe who's playing good football lately, I think I think we're showing Mahomes and the guys too much love. I think this is working off of the past here. You can't make Denver a double-digit favorite, especially with the way they play defense. You never know what you're going to get offensively from the Broncos, but you know they're going to play good defense by and large, and I just don't think that's the kind of team you want to throw double digits on. So I'm going to take the Broncos as 10-point underdogs in this one. And Amal, I was totally disgusted last week um, going one and two. I just said, look, enough is enough. So I'm making this proclamation right now to all of our listeners. I am going to go 
on the mother of all runs in the NFL. Enough is enough. Enough of the BS. I'm sitting here with this bullcrap 13 and 19 record. I've got six regular season weeks to get my act together. And I'm telling you right now, right here in front of you and anyone else that's listening, I am going to go on the mother of all runs in the NFL. You heard it here first on the Gridiron Studs. Folks, I thought he was going to go Wayne Rudolph you know, and, and guarantee you get your money back if you didn't win. And I was going to remind him they're not I'm telling you right now, if I don't go 3-0 this weekend, next weekend is absolutely free. I used to love when they would say that. Yeah, hey, Jim hey, Jack, hey, Jack off. You just went 0-3. I don't give a shit what you're giving me next week. I don't want it. <laughs> they have my car. <laughs> exactly. I have no money to bet on anything you're talking about yeah. next week. You just well, went 0-9. Let's but all recap. right, Chad's got the Bengals minus three, the Lions plus seven, and the Broncos plus ten. He's got all the animals. I just noticed that. Okay. Is there any way around that? Yeah, there is. Good. Now, let me go here. This one is uh, one that I think this is a don't make sense to me. I think a lot of people are going to want to jump on Tom Brady here because they're going to see that the Atlanta Falcons have been handled 43-3 and 25 nothing in their last two games against good teams, the Cowboys and the Patriots. But I don't really like the Bucs here. It's an 11-point road road line. Um, if the Falcons were going to quit, they would have quit last week and found a way to lose to the Jags, but they didn't. They won the game. Um, they're getting a little healthier. I don't think the Bucs will be that motivated in this game. I think they have a game with the Bills the following week. This could be a classic look-ahead situation, like let's go in, take care of business, and then focus on we have a big game with Buffalo coming up. And uh, this might be a workmanlike effort, you know, where you see them win this game 31-24. I, I like Atlanta plus 11 here. Yeah, something's been off with the Bucks the last few weeks, to, to be honest with you. But you want to talk about a team I don't trust, it's the Atlanta Falcons. So I hope you're right. Yeah, they're 5-6 and six teams. So when they get beat, they get beat bad. But they found a way to almost play 500 ball. I'll take 11 at home. Um, next one. Team that on Thanksgiving Day beat my Cowboys in a very entertaining 36-33 overtime game. The Raiders are 6-5, and five and they're in the middle of that CF in the uh, West. Yeah. And they're playing the Washington football team, fresh off uh, a Monday night game that they held on to win. They're at 5-6, and six, but you know what? I like the Raiders giving two and a half here. I took a look at the Redskins. They're, uh, excuse me, the Washington <laughs> football <laughs> Cancel they're, our show. Going- it's over over they've won three in a row i get it but overall this is a team with a minus 53 point differential which means mm, they're not a great team are you uh, serious i gotta look that up yeah. that's yeah. disgusting minus 53 point differential the uh, the raiders are playing some good football they've hung in there despite everything that's gone wrong for that franchise this year they're in the thick of the playoff race they're home they got to win by a field goal i think they can do it give me Give me the Raiders minus two and a half. All righty. And then finally, I'm going to swallow hard here. But <laughs> you guys saw the Steelers last week, right? What they lose? 41-10 or something? They, to were, the Bengals. they were obliterated. This is a proud franchise. Most definitely. And it's a very proud franchise. And they're playing a team that they despise more than probably every other team, including the Browns. They can't stand the Baltimore Ravens. And the Ravens can't stand them. And you want to know what? The Ravens are giving four and a half points in Pittsburgh. Oh, I thought you were going to say, I can't stand the Ravens either. I thought that's. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I used to like watching Ray Lewis. So I don't even, I mean, they're kind of a team. I actually don't mind doing well, but here's the thing. They just beat the 
The Bears 16-13 and the Browns 16-10. And then they lost the week before to the Dolphins 22-10. Their offense is... Yeah, they're fumbling around. No They're question. fumbling around. And now you're asking them to, to beat a team, a proud team, coming off a 31-point loss. And they're home getting four and a half. I got to take the Steelers. I'm in a roll with Pittsburgh plus the four and a half. Hey, um, I don't see anything wrong with that. You know, there's... I love I love redemption for teams, especially when it is a proud franchise like the Steelers. So recapping this Falcons plus 11 Raiders minus two and a half and the Steelers plus four and a half. There you have it, folks. You've got the NFL and the college. We've got you all set up. I have given you my proclamation. And now remember, um, you, you guys sent Chad an email that you want your money back if he doesn't win for you. Absolutely right. C. Wilson at gridironstuds.com if you're trying to hit the show with your comments or um, if my proclamation does not come true, get on this Anchor app and hit the voice message because just to hear hear the voice is a whole lot better than email. So you can use that if you're trying to reach us on the show and uh, you can do that. But we've got you all set up. We've talked once again about the college coaching situation. We don't have a show again until next week. Hopefully nothing bizarre happens. And I got to whip out a microphone in O'Hare Airport where I'm going to be in Chicago this weekend and do a show live from O'Hare. How about that one? Um, hey, you're going to a good city. That's a fun city. Have, have a good time. It's going to be mighty cold for a, you know, a, a Southern boy uh, like myself. who's. I like I, watching you and your wife when you put pictures up in the cold. They make uh, funny faces. You <laughs> don't like the cold. Well, Pay attention to her face this weekend because it's probably going to be in the 20s up there. So I'll take some uh, game pictures as uh, the wind is whipping around its soldier field. But that's where I'm going to be. Hopefully nothing crazy happens. And I I need to make an impromptu broadcast outside of a Chicago pizza joint just to talk to you guys about what's going on. But nevertheless, we've got you all set up. The picks are in. Um, our opinions are in. You guys tell us who you think got the, who's the better job, Notre Dame or Oklahoma. We'd love to hear from you. And again, before you leave out of here, Feel free. Go ahead. We urge you. We demand. We command you to go ahead and subscribe to the show so you're notified the next time that we have one. For Emil Calamina, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll see you guys next week or maybe sooner. Thank you. Thank you.